Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have modern mystic Patrick Paul Garlinger. Now, Paul had a profound spiritual awakening, which transformed his views of the true nature of reality. Soon thereafter, his psychic facilities opened up and he began to download works of spiritual wisdom on the nature of human consciousness and the experienced state called Samadhi, which is filled with blissful energy of love and peace. In this spiritual kundalini awakening, Patrick's life changed forever. Can't wait to share this story with you guys. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Patrick Paul Garlinger. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm doing great, Alex. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. I'm, I'm excited to have you on. We're going to be talking about your new book, Endless Awakenings, uh, which is a fascinating book, by the way. Uh, your story in general is a fairly fascinating story of awakening and where you came from, where you are, what you're doing now, and so on. So my first question to you, my friend, is what was your life like before this spiritual awakening you had? Mm. Yeah, so I, before awakening, was uh, a Spanish professor and then a lawyer. And my awakening and my lawyering kind of closely coincided, but I was a lawyer and, and in law school before really awakening. And let by, me tell by you, the way, my, I, I have to insert, never is a statement said, my awakening and my me being a lawyer coincided. That's a sentence I don't think that's ever been uttered as uh, <laughs> a general statement. <laughs> it's, it's true. Not many people admit that. But, you know, I've learned, especially through friends who are also in this uh, business, primarily psychics and mediums, who tell me, you know, I have a lot of lawyers who are clients and judges who are clients, but they just don't, you know, they don't talk about it. Of course. Um, but anyway, I just thought that was funny. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, and, and it is funny because my life was really, really intellectual. Um, and and that, that still shows up in my life. But I was really focused on being academic, rigorous. It was all about reason. And I was really closed to you know, anything remotely spiritual, you know, turned my eye, you know, rolled my eyes, turned up my nose. And I was really fixated on, on advancing in the world and being the smartest guy in the room and, <laughs> and um, not really dealing well with my emotions. That's pretty much the pretty much the extent of my life before that. So, so, you know, like, like many of us, many of us had the same situation where we're like, yeah, we want to be the smartest guy in the room or the girl in the room and want to conquer the world. It was very ego Yep. based, like I'm controlling everything. I make everything happen myself and so on and so forth. Uh, but then you had this, this thing happen to you. Can you talk a little bit about your spiritual awakening? And I know you're going to talk about Kundalini awakening. So explain that a little bit to people who don't understand what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the, as I look back, I can see the vestiges of where my awakening began. So I have an awakening story that begins with sort of a dark night of the soul, kind of cataclysmic moment where now I can see where things began. And things actually began in around 2005, 2006, when I was going to a gym in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I started going to a power yoga class. And I was really into bodybuilding at the time. I was sort of a gym bunny. And I show up and there's this power yoga class. Can I do that? You know, it was like, uh, and headstrong, like, oh, I can power through this. And it turns out it was like an actual Ashtangi trained teacher who was, you know, doing all the poses in, in, in Sanskrit. And it 
you know, floored me. Literally, I'm sweating buckets. I had no idea what I was doing, but slowly but surely, then I learned a little bit about yoga, and then I learned a little bit about meditation. And so I'm dabbling in Zen is really what it comes down to, because that was the place where intellectually I could go there without being confronted with any sort of deism. Um, it spoke to my rigorous analytical mind. And I still have a great respect for Zen. But then my life literally fell apart. It just fell apart completely. I was sub had gone to law school, thought I was going to go back into academia. I got an offer for a fellowship to go to Harvard Law School to teach. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was like a one or two year fellowship. You know, my life was then, it's just like everything that I wanted was, and I was like, from there, I was going to be in line to clerk on the Supreme Court, you know, all the things that a very um, egocentric Patrick really, really wanted. And um, I woke up every single morning with the most unbelievable gut-wrenching nausea. And I finally just, I, I, I could not accept this. And I didn't know why. It was just completely bewildering to me. But it was just that really strong intuition. This is not for you. I actually had something of like a nervous breakdown. I literally just broke from this because I burnt bridges. I turned down a Harvard fellowship. All of my mentors are like, what are you doing? I didn't know what was going on in my life. And then, you know, I'm free floating. I am anxiety ridden. I have no idea what I've just done. I've literally blown up my life. And all of a sudden, these people just start showing up in my life. A friend of mine who is an acupuncturist says, you know, I think you should go talk to my friend so-and-so who's a psychic. And then you should go visit this Indian divine guru who's coming to town. And then all of these people showed up and suddenly my life opened up in a completely different way. Now, as you're, so when, how, when was the actual moment of the Kundalini awakening? Uh, so the Kundalini comes later. So this is the moment where I realize that I am not just Patrick, the personality separate from everybody else. And this is in late 2010. So I meet a teacher who, um, and her name is Mirabai Devi, and I trained with her for many years. Incredibly, incredibly gifted um, healer, a person capable of, of sending light into, unlike anybody I've ever, ever worked with. Um, you know, it's like Reiki times a thousand. It's the sort of thing that, like, instantly, the first time I worked with her, I just had all this energy coming into my third eye. And the only thought I had was, God exists. Like, that was a moment of, like, oh my goodness. And I worked with her for many, many years doing a lot of cleansing, a lot of clearing out of past life stuff, going really deep into spiritual wisdom, the teachings. And near the end of our, our time together, uh, I had a Kundalini awakening, which is in the classic model, there's this energy that's sort of dormant at the base of the spine that's shaped traditionally like a serpent. And I thought that the work that we had done together was sort of had basically been the equivalent of that. And instead, it actually just initiated it. And I was all of a sudden, my lower back hurt. Didn't know why it felt it felt tight, like I had worked out for days and days at the gym and hadn't done any stretches. And I was like stretching my hamstrings and stretching my lower back and doing everything to. And finally, one day, I was just like three or four days into this intense back pain, I laid down and my lower back just exploded like this coal, hot coal, like erupted this fire at the base of my spine. And I was like, what is going on? And for the next two months, this really intense energy would just move up the chakras, up the chakras. They would hit stuff. I could tell that it was the energy was working. Sometimes I would start sweating buckets. Sometimes I was you know, sort of felt like I was uh, had electricity running through me. Sometimes it felt really loving and blissful. That was uh, a, a Kundalini awakening. And to this day, I have this sort of same energy kind of moving through my body at different times. That's fascinating. Um, but I have to ask you, since you came from such an academic, intellectual, ego-based place, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. 
Um, when you told, when you blew up your world, and yeah. uh, you know, the, the, you started to go down this path, the spiritual path. Yeah. Um, you kind of were out of the closet in a way when you blew up your world. That's pretty, a uh, pretty public way of leaving what you were going to do behind and going into this new world, which at that point you didn't even know where you were going. You just knew what you were going to wasn't right. How did your family, friends, colleagues uh, look <laughs> at you? How did you deal? <laughs> how did you deal with the psychological? Psychologically, how did you personally deal with losing not only your friends and your family and your colleagues, but literally something you've been working for your entire life? Right. So, so to clarify, my world blew up and I had to pivot. And, you know, I was at, at that time, I was actually clerking for a federal judge. And so when, when, my, when my world blew up, so I wasn't ready. When the world blew up, I was not ready to, uh, you know, sort of leave and really embark on the path that I'm on now. I actually pivoted and became, that's when I became a lawyer. So I actually practiced law for the next six to eight years. Okay. Oh, wow. While all of this work that's happening on the side is going on. And then towards the end of that, near the end of that time as a lawyer, the Kundalini happens and then. So that's what I meant when I said that, uh, you know, my life was kind of uh, my lawyering and my my awakening okay. sort of coinciding. So, so then when I finally I was at a place where I was, you know, initially when I started lawyering, you know, I was still recovering from that. Um, you know, I spent many years kind of doing meditation, doing healing practices, all this work. And actually turning turns out really enjoying the practice of law i actually really enjoyed law for the most part it's it's not you know it's, a, it's an exhausting world in many ways but i was a really good lawyer and i had a lot of fun and then there became a moment when the message was it's time to go you've done what you needed to do in the law you've built your resources up you you've accomplished whatever it is that you were going to do there and just seeing the legal system inside and out. I mean, I know the legal system pretty deeply. And then it was like, you're done. You've got these books. It's time to put that, that path behind you. So when I left the legal world, I was in a much better place. I still went through the, the kind of, you know, telling people. Yeah. Coming out of the, the, coming way, out of the spiritual closet. To, yeah. Coming out of the you know, spiritual I had to really closet. come out of the closet. <laughs> I had to come out of the spiritual closet and, you know, that's I'm so glad you asked that, Alex, because I don't think that's something that gets talked a lot about, especially right. if you've lived your life in a certain domain, like being a lawyer or being, uh, you know, in business or something like that, and what your friends and family, you know, and do. then how you deal with it. You know, you might be more spiritually awakened, but you know, when your mom or dad say, "I can't understand you anymore," and uh, you know, and they leave you, they like, "I don't want you to come back home anymore." I mean, that's an extreme version. Or your friends yeah. or your colleagues just go, "Patrick's lost his mind." Yeah, exactly. He's gone crazy, and you're just like, you're just talking spiritual. I've talked to mediums, I've talked to channels who were business people and lawyers who then go, "I channel an entity now." That's like <laughs> seriously, I know, crazy. It is. And, you know, that that is what happened for me, because when I was on the Kundalini in the in the midst of this Kundalini awakening a month into it, you know, I heard this incredible voice that said, you know, we're going to write and we're going to write quickly. And I'm like, whoa. And then, you know, three books get downloaded in six months. And so I get when you, you describe that sense of like, I have to tell people now. And what's interesting is there is an acclimation to that. I've had Plenty of friends and colleagues just be like, yes, he's lost it. You know, unfriend me, leave me on social media, don't pick up. And what's amazing is that that's a normal process. You know, it happens. It can be painful. It's part of like accepting like this is who I am now. And I get it because I was that person that was like, what are you talking about? Like that's, you know, you're just making this stuff up. That was me prior to my own awakening. And then you also find the people that, who even though it's not gonna be part of their like, you know, exterior lives, you know, you run into them and they're like, oh my goodness, I love what you're doing. It's amazing. Yeah. But you know, that's 
between us, you know. <laughs> yeah, don't say shh, 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 quiet. Just so. I get that all the time now, by the way, too, because, yeah. you know, when I came out of the, the spiritual closet with this show, which is a fairly public way of doing it, I've had people from my world, which was Hollywood, you know, directors and screenwriters and producers call me up and they're just like, tell me about what you, tell me about that channel. Can you tell me yeah. about what that episode was about? Can, can we just have a deep conversation about simulation theory and, and, and the nature of reality? Like, exactly. I can't, I can't talk to anybody else about this. That's a quote. I can't talk to anybody else about this. That's right. You know, and you would think that someplace like Hollywood is extremely open. Apparently, it's not as open as we all think it might be. <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought that, you know, the, I, and I was sort of my own sense of things was actually came a little bit um, skewed. I, I actually thought for a long time that, you know, like, oh, this doesn't this isn't such a big deal. And then, you know, I would find that people are like, I can't talk to you anymore. Like, I don't know who you are. And I was like, oh, really? I mean, like the channeling thing like that, that that's the thing that you're like bothered by and so it, I, I had to sort of reorient myself for a while to sort of remember that people aren't as open because i'd lived among and I had a community of people where it was just so open and then like oh yeah there's people who channel there's people who you know mediums are it's i had to sort of relearn like yeah you know not everyone's open to it and and then you learn to you learn to meet people where they're at uh, to use, uh, you know, a common expression, you know, like sometimes, right. you know, I use the, the term intuitive that works for a lot of people. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting that, uh, and I've had this conversation on the show a few times about how other people react to this information, to these awakenings, because obviously everybody who comes on the show has had a form of awakening in one way, shape or right. form, if they're down this path and how scared and this might lean into what we're we're going to talk about next is how scared people are when their beliefs are challenged by the way in their own mind because you're not challenging them but your mere right. existence yes and based on even the things you say is challenging the foundation that they built their life on whether it be religious whether it be not religious whether it be i don't believe in god or i have a belief in this specific dogma in a certain religion if I believe in reincarnation, then that means that everything I've spoken about that I've been taught about in the Catholic Church, let's say, is wrong. And if that's right. wrong, then whoa, and then everything just starts to, to start, the, the walls start to, to crumble around them. And that's yeah. really, and then they start to defend themselves or they just, I can't be near you because you're, 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 you're going to rock my world and I don't want to go there. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? No, absolutely. I think that's exactly right. I mean, you've just articulated in a very succinct and very powerful way, kind of the structure of people's consciousness, which is, you know, you have <laughs> a set of beliefs built in around which is an identity and either that identity has to be defended because it might, you know, it might crumble. And then where, where are you? Like I was like, who am I? What is right. this world? That it's I'm scary. It, it is a scary place when you have a spiritual awakening in, what, in whatever way, Kundalini awakening or just an awakening in the sense like I have to now do this other work. Uh, yes, I need to exactly. go down this other path. It's scary because you just don't know. You're you're kind of at sea without in a little boat without any rudders or any 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 paddles. And you're just kind of floating there and there's nothing around you to connect to where before you were very, you know, locked down. You There was a base, but now everything's floating. And that's the place I think that when you do a spiritual awakening, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is the ability to then let go yeah. of what you think or perceive as is control in your life. That's right. And then right. all of a sudden the sun comes off through the clouds, a path is shining and like, oh, wait a minute, I can, I can, I'm moving towards this, this direction and I'm barely pushing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. It is. And, you know, then the path becomes something else which and i and i love talking about this because what i then see happening with so many people myself included is that then there's a part of us that sort of lets go a little bit right we let go of our old lives to some extent we let go of what we knew we have to incorporate and so we you know we integrate sort of a new set of concepts new vocabulary you know our, our sense of who we are and where we're headed shifts We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
And now back to the show. And then there's what I like to call the awakened identity that kind of steps in sometimes, which is then now I'm on my path. And where does that lead me? And can I still let go and not have a destination? You know, what I see happening a lot, and I don't know if this is where you were going, but I see a lot of people who have an awakening. It's very scary. We, we reorient ourselves. And then we're like, okay, now I have this new destination where I was a lawyer and I knew I was going to go to the office and I was going to do this and these other things. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to do all these other things. And I, in my experience, that still has to be thrown out the window. The whole idea that you actually, that there is a path. It's more like putting one foot in front of the other. But the difference is before you were trying to create the path yourself in the dark. Yeah. And and you're just building the path, building that boom into a wall. Damn it. Back right. up, move over, da, 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 damn it, into another wall, boom, da, da, damn it, into another wall. And you just keep doing That's that right. throughout your life where now there's a little bit of light in front of every footstep, but you still That's don't right. know particularly where you're going. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And you know what you described is the way most people attempt to sort of create their lives, which is just a lot of control and a lot of um, manipulation and, and, and sometimes brute forcing your way through things and you're going <laughs> to force. And then you realize there's a completely different way to create your life. And, you know, in concert with all of the other beings around you in form, not in form. And then, yes, there's just a little bit of light ahead of you. Right, exactly. And, and it's but that's that takes a, a mind shift because it's scary, because when you believe that you are in control 100 percent, yeah, then there's a sense of, of comfort there. It's a blankie. It's your blankie. Yeah. It's a sense of like, okay, I'm I'm in control. And don't get me wrong, you still have to work. You still have to walk the path. Right. You still have to, you know, engage in this process. If you don't, you're not going to just sit down. Someone's going to knock on the door and give you whatever you're supposed to be doing. You have right. to, you have to go through like you took yoga and then you went into meditation and then you started yep. to learn about Zen. And that was part of your walking the path. And exactly. then the Kulalini happened. It's not like you just woke up one morning. Whoa, what's that feeling in my back? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the reason I, the, the thing I wanted to talk about next was about the concept you've talked about before in your books, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is mm -hmm. kind of the theme of what we've just been talking about. Right. Of that is kind of the key to life, is if you can yeah. become comfortable with the uncomfortable. Can you dive into that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. It, it, it's one of my central topics. It's certainly the, uh, the topic in the first chapter of, of the book that you mentioned, Endless Awakening. And it's because, you know, probably one of the most fundamental sort of core emotional states we have is always wanting to sort of feel this sense of control, safety, comfort, and discomfort being, um, you know, to, to be a little bit, uh, you know, redundant it's it's uncomfortable we don't like to stay in discomfort we we move away from it and and yet nobody has ever experienced really any growth without some sort of discomfort and we're kind of always then redrawing the lines of what our comfort is and where we're where we're comfortable and you know that happens even after you've had the spiritual awakening you 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 go through some moment where you wake up and it's uncomfortable as you said it's scary we lose control our life changes and then a, and a certain amount of comfort comes in of like oh i understand things now differently i've got it and now i've got these answers and then and this is what happens you know Excuse my language, but you know, shit hits the fan again. You know, like it's <laughs> nobody guaranteed that it would be perfect. Or this stuff that you thought was healed comes up big time, or something else happens in your life. And at each moment, you're realizing you're just continuing to heal all that, that you've carried with you through your entire life that you brought in from generations prior. You're healing your ancestors, you're healing past lives. All this stuff just keeps coming up in your life. And you're going to move from comfort to discomfort. You're going to find that there's always something that can be the edge of your comfort zone. And then a question I get asked all the time is, now why do we have to suffer in this life? And I think you kind mm. of answered that. It's because 
without pain and suffering in, in, a, in a certain sense, you can't, that's kind of the discomfort. You have to kind of go through that to grow. And if anyone's honest with themselves and they look back on their lives, you know, you and I are of a certain age, I think we're pretty much of the same vintage, I think, um, you know, so, you know, you, when you get to a certain age in life, you look back and go, every bad thing, quote unquote, bad thing or negative thing that happened to us is the greatest catalyst for growth yes in your life everyone always asks me because i had you know i went through some stuff when i was younger and people ask me would you change that if you can go back i go no i am who i am because of that pain and suffering and trauma that i've gone through and, and that time in my life right. and it's one of the reasons i got to the place i am right now because of many other you know dominoes that fell yeah because of that trauma but the right. people if they look at it that way you know it's easier to look back on past traumas but when you're in the quote unquote shit um yeah. it's a lot more difficult to zen out and go okay this is happening to me why is this happening to me and you know what am i supposed to learn from this i you know i recently went through something like that you know uh, literally a few days ago where i was out without power for eight days oh wow not fun by the way had a nice storm yeah. here in austin not fun not fun at all and i'm like what's going on why is why is this happening and then i after a few days of anger <laughs> good you anger i was angry i'm like why this why me the ego just came back up and then you're like okay so this is happening for a reason why is this happening what lessons am i supposed to learn and then when i start to change the perspective my experience of what was going on got better it didn't right. take it away it just got better because of the way you react to what is that's right you know because you, i have no control and it's really you feel powerless in a place where you have no control of anything i couldn't turn the power back on I couldn't stop the ice from freezing my butt off. I, you know, there, there's, there's things I couldn't control. So I said, well, what can I control? Yeah. Oh, I can control how I react to everything. That's the one thing I always have control over. Exactly. You know, what, what's beautiful about that is that you, you're pointing to the ways in which, you know, stuff still comes up. Yeah. We're going to get triggered. We have these triggers. What I find happening, and this is particularly true in um you know among new age circles which you know i'm I'm a part of you know i, I but I, I see it prevalent because the reaction that you had of sort of like well you know what did i do what did i do this is oftentimes people say okay you know what did i do you know why is my vibration attracting this right, right. you know there's a almost there's an undercurrent of self-blame there that doesn't need to be there because the idea is, well, if I were vibrating at a different frequency, you know, that uh, this would, I would have avoided this, right? When in fact, it's like you, whether you were vibrating at that or not, if we, if we talk in those terms, you know, that wasn't something you can control. There was something about that experience that you needed to have so that you could look at the part of you that would be angry about not having power or whatever it was. And that was in part, that was perfect for you. Uh, as you said, you look back at your life and you realize that it's actually all perfect. I, I had this experience on the island of Kauai when I was working with my teacher. We were doing some really intense um, healing work around my heart. And I had a moment where it was the closest I've ever come to a near-death experience. So a lot of people have had near-death experiences where they do, you know, and they, they, they often have a very similar kind of structure and they come back and they're like, I've got the sense. I, I just saw my life, like every instant of it, but just in a very rapid fashion, which is sometimes an experience that people have. I saw every moment and just the utter perfection of it. It was perfect. And underneath the idea that somehow if I'm not in control, something terrible will happen to me is ultimately, you know, a fear of death. It's a fear that, you know, that's the end and we're done. And oftentimes we have these experiences to remind us or to, to show us that, you know, that is not the end. So that's ultimately the fear underlying control. You know, it's interesting because a lot, I love what you said that in regards to like, oh, if I'm at the right vibration, I shouldn't have tracked this to me. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
And now back to the show. And just to give the audience an example, uh, the picture of the gentleman behind me, Yogananda, uh, Paranahasa Yogananda, who was mm -hmm. arguably, you know, a, a walking master and essentially yeah. became an ascended master and autobiography of a yogi in his life, who had lived the spiritual path since a baby. He was like anointed as a child to walk the spiritual path midway through him being in the United States, changing millions of lives. His best friend sues him mm. and steals all of his followers. Yeah. He's pretty high vibration. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go vibration on the earth, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yogananda was pretty good. So that's an example. Like that was something he still needed to go through. That's right. In, in his life's journey. And even though he was arguably one of the most spiritual people walking around the planet at the time, it was still something that happened you know, that he needed to go through. You know, Ju Judas, through. Judas needed to do what he did to Christ, even yeah. though Christ was also walking around a pretty high vibration. <laughs> exactly. You know, these things still have to happen to you for some way. And that's where, you know, not having control and trusting that your soul is, is unveiling the life that you wanted to have in, or that you're meant to have, I should say, is, you know, the ultimate trust. That's, that's you know, that's, that's when people start talking about surrender. And it's, it's not easy. We still, we still go back into control. But it's, you know, these, these moments where it, it, we could attribute some sort of or take away some lesson of failure, that's, that's missing the lesson of like, nope, you know, I'm, I'm whatever this is, it's resolving something that needed to be resolved. And that's a fairly big way of looking at things. And, and there's a lot of trust that needs to mm -hmm. be there. And you have to be evolved to a certain place. Because I'm I'm just baby stepping into that right now, where I am in my journey. And to allow I love the statement you just said that your soul is unraveling what needs to be done as it was supposed mm -hmm. to be. Yeah. The good, the bad, the indifferent, uh, all right. of it. And to again, looking back, you could be very philosophical and spiritual. Oh, yes, when I was going through that rough time in my 20s, <laughs> it was always I meant to be. But when the shit hits you right now, right, it's like you're in it. It tests to see how truly spiritual you are. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And that might, and that might have been a way to, you know, because you and I don't know if you've run into this in the new age uh, community. I'm the most spiritual. I, oh, am, yeah. I am. I am beyond spiritual. I mean, I'm Buddha and Jesus wrapped up into one. That's the right. ego has taken upon like, well, if we're going to go down the spiritual path, we're going to be the best spiritual. We're going to be right. the most spiritual. And there's, I'm sure you've run into that as well. So oh, sometimes, wow. sometimes you need those little, little knocks to see how truly spiritual you are. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and this, this happens because, you know, and, and it shows up all the time when people come to me for readings and I'm like, oh, wow, that. This, I'm, you know, and I give the, you know, I'm uh, this piece of you from childhood, like this hasn't, oh no, I healed that. Okay. Uh, you, go right ahead. you know, there's you a do lot you. of bypassing because our identities that we form after we've awakened where it's, I'm going to keep raising my vibration. I'm going to go through this portal. I'm ascending to this dimension. You know, there's a way in which we kind of rebuild sometimes into our vocabulary an architecture of growth and comparison where I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be better than I was before. Um, or, you know, judgment. I'm not where I'm supposed to be just yet. We, we do that. And then the universe comes along and, you know, life comes along, your soul comes along and says, uh, guess what? This is where you got, you got some work to do. And we all do it. Um, pieces of us that we just, didn't even realize we're there. I, I my whole I, I've been having Kundalini and channeling and having energy move through me and having my higher self come in for you know six years now. I don't even know what's in there still. There's still stuff in here. There's still stuff to be resolved. I went through a period a couple um, about two years ago. Intense, intense resistance to all of this. I was ready to throw it all away again. You know. I was like, well, I did it once before. I can just blow up my life and I'll start over. It's fine. 
there was some deep, deep, deep past life stuff that just had to be resolved, you know? And I had to sit down for like six to eight months where I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing readings. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not going on social media. I'm not, you know, whatever. Because that's what needed to be resolved. It's, it's not easy to go back and really, you know, look in the mirror and yeah. deal with, with stuff that you, it's hard enough to deal with the stuff you can see. Yeah. And, and you can admit to, but it's even more difficult to deal with the stuff that you don't even know is there. Right. At, on this life level, let alone generational karma or past life karma or other things like that, that you haven't even, you have no idea about, you know? Right. So I always just try to concentrate on whatever I can see and then try to dig if I can find unconscious stuff. Cause that's yes. the, that's the scariest stuff is the unconscious traumas that, that that rule your life and you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it, you know, and some of those can be really scary. And some of them that you may be, have a hint of, and some of them, as you said, you know, like we don't have any awareness of because they came from, you know, generations prior, but if they're showing up as a, as an emotion, as a symptom, you know, in your life, you're like, I'm feeling this and you can't figure it out. Yeah. It's scary. You know, I, I'm happy to share because, you know, in this sense, I'm an open book of like, listen, I, I'm still working through, you know, I, I know that there's stuff there. And there's stuff there that isn't, isn't even stuff that you might even think of as a trauma that just shows up. I, you know, several, a couple of years ago now, a few years ago, I, I lose track of like sort of when all these things happened, but, you know, I suddenly had this intense experience where I was coming back to this and it was around this resistance. It was a, a piece of this resistance, but it was from my, my lifetime. Uh, and, and I couldn't quite figure out where it was coming from, but it was finally, I, I did a sort of journey where I was brought back to an early memory of um, when I was in like third grade. And in the third grade, my teachers decided, um, you know, I was really good at math. So they moved me to the fifth grade math class, which, you know, you think, okay, whatever. But it, it wrecked my world because every, all of my peers were like, oh, here's what's, what's Patrick. Oh, he gets to be taken out of the class. Oh, he's the little special nerd. And then I went to the fifth grade class and the fifth graders like, who's this little pipsqueak? And I hated all of it. And so I told my, I didn't do well. I was like not paying attention to the math class. And so then my teacher was like, oh, I guess you weren't that smart, right? Like I created this whole existential framework that was like, I can never be myself because everyone around me will like be alienated. And then I can never, if I am myself, I will disappoint, um, you know, the authorities that be. And I created this existential conundrum that made it very hard. And I realized when I look back at my life, that I had this push-pull relationship to authority and other people and, and being myself that I was like, wow, here was this like lens that I had that I would never have identified as a trauma. This is like two weeks of my life as a, as a, as a third grader. I mean, I was put in the slow reading class, the group in first grade. Oh, wow. They called it the, the, the slow reading group. Wow. Oh, devastating. <laughs> so I thought I was an idiot for most yeah. of my most of my education until I decided to go to college and when I went to college I actually enjoyed it and then I got straight A's dean's list all this kind of stuff so then that that structure of me being not that smart right. went away um I was so smart in high school that I was able to figure out how not to do any work and just pass <laughs> <laughs> just skim through that's how I use my intellect in high school <laughs> Awesome. Just enough to pass, but not have to do any real work. <laughs> <laughs> Which began my course of trying to hack the system constantly. <laughs> mm, right, right, right. Throughout right. my entire life, which didn't work out well. Uh, yeah. So, um, so the, the the next question I have for you is: so we've talked about pain, we talked about suffering. Is there a way or any advice you have about how to transform pain? into a blissful part to mm. understand its value. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
And now back to the show. Uh, because it's one thing we're talking very philosophically about it. Is there any practical steps? Yeah. So, you know, practically speaking, I absolutely encourage everyone to have just a really strong meditation experience uh, practice to be able to sit with those feelings. I mean, in, until you've learned to just feel them over and over and not try to get rid of them, you know, it's really hard to get at the roots. Uh, you know, people often will, you know, they'll, they'll resort to things they want to sort of move it. And I get that. Like, you know, if you're feeling like some, you know, really deep sadness, something that feels existential, bordering on depression, you know, you're going to try to lift yourself up. You're going to try to, you know, get rid of it. And some people turn really quickly to something like uh, energy healing, or they're going to go to somebody and get an answer, like what's moving through me. Sometimes you just need to sit with it because the fundamental philosophical sort of way to look at this pain is just information, it's just information. It's not pain. It's suffering when you regard it as pain. And it's the sensation it can be really, really uncomfortable, but it's not going to, it's not going to kill you. You know, you're sitting in it, I mean, it, you know, feeling the sensation of anger or feeling the sensation of sadness. That alone can be really heavy. And then you've got to figure out, you know, what part of you is talking, what, what, what piece of you is talking, you know, there's a sort of compassion around that sort of inquiry of, of this version of you, whether it's a younger version of you, third grader, some moments in time where you, you generated a story. This is what happens. We generate a story about our life. And then you need to look at that and realize, oh, that, that younger version of yourself did the best he or she could to, to make sense of, of the world. And then you got to reteach that person. You know, it's, it's, it sounds a little bit like, you know, reparenting your inner child, but that's, that's fundamentally the work. And, and I find that, you know, in my own experience, if I'd move too quickly to kind of uproot it to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> could somebody just reiki this out of me, you know, like that kind of thing, uh, it's usually still there. Um, well, let me ask you, well, let me ask you this. It's, I feel like it's kind of like, you know, when you're saying to feel these feelings, to sit with those feelings, it's like trying to take a cold shower for the first time mm. because at the first time it's knives hitting you. Uh, and I do take cold showers. Uh, I do yeah. Wim Hof and all of that. Oh, because, good for you. Uh, yeah. All that stuff. And I do sauna work and all that kind of stuff. The extremes, because when you yeah. push your body to the extremes, there's a lot of health benefits and other things like that, but it also teaches you some very valuable lessons about life. Yeah. You can put up with certain things that you thought would never be possible. So by the way, during this eight day, uh, no power, uh, I was the first one into the cold shower and, ah, and, yeah. and then my family followed in afterwards. They're like, you're nuts. You're insane. I can't believe you did this. And I'm like, I needed to take a shower and I didn't I want it. And I did. But when you first go into a cold shower situation, everything in your body is telling you to stop, get out, yeah. run, run. What's wrong with you? But as you force it and you you're like, no, I'm going to sit here yeah. for 10 seconds, for 20 seconds for 60 seconds to the point where you, you know, you get to like where Win Hoff is and he just loves it. Right. That's, that's the same thing you're saying. It's like, you sit with the pain, you sit with the, the, the emotion, you sit with the anger or the sadness and you just sit there and let it, let it just feel it. And as you yes. start to feel it, it starts to wear it's, it's, it's power over you starts to diminish. That's is that, right. Is that true? That's absolutely right. And it was a perfect analogy um, because it is this intense discomfort until you, you recognize that, you know, you're actually quite capable of holding it. And as you, as you sit with it, much as you do with the cold shower at a certain point, you're like, it's actually, there's something really pleasurable about it. Um, I personally, I haven't actually done the cold shower thing. So now I, you know, I, I now I need to do, um, follow my own advice and like get, com <laughs> get comfortable with the discomfort of cold showers. But the, you know, a couple things happen is that, you know, a lot of the pain that we feel is the resistance to the emotion. We just, you know, so much pushing yeah. back that when you really let it move through you, it actually feels really different because you've let go of trying to push it away. And then over time, you know, it will, it will speak to you. It will evaporate or it will have a message for you, something 
that needed to be heard because it it just it hasn't been resolved. And then underneath that is it's like buried treasure. It's it's you know one there's a, a clearing and you're sort of even deeper. But you've been unbelievably compassionate with yourself, and then a piece of you that needed to be healed, needed to be resolved, you know, lifts on your own, and you're just learning then that. As this stuff happens and you can go deeper and deeper and it can get really painful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You're also able to hold more and more light and compassion. I mean, the capacity to, um, to really, you know, experience. I'll use the language of, of frequency and vibration to experience kind of levels of light where you're like, I did not know the human body could hold this much comes as you as you release these things and for for a long time i went through a similar period of like oh why why am i not experiencing bliss all the time why is this stuff coming up or i would have a really intense you know crown chakra open light poured in i'm blissed for like you know an hour and the next day then just i am nauseous and something's coming up and i feel like what's wrong with it well that's what was happening that light came in and was like it's time to pull up something that you you need to resolve. It's very much like what Joseph Campbell said, the treasure that you seek is in the cave that you're afraid to walk into. Exactly. It really is. And I know it can sound almost like a platitude, but it's true. I mean, and when you've experienced it, then you know, you know that that's real. Now, we've been talking a lot in this conversation in regards to letting go and trusting the path, trusting your soul's path, trusting the universe, the your spirit guides, whoever is guiding you along your path in life. Yeah. But a question I get a lot too is like, well, if you're going to give up control, then why have free will? Mm. So that's a little bit of a, of a weird place to be. I'd love to hear what you think of like giving up control versus free will. And if I have free will, then this is where the control comes in. The ego comes in. Well, if I have free will, I could choose whatever I want to do. How can I let go of control? So how can you explain that to people who have that question? Right. It's so it's it's great. Um, and I I talk about that a bit in the book. And because it is one of these things of like, yeah, yeah, if you surrender completely, you know, do you have free will? And so I think about this in a couple of ways. One is and you know, something that my guides have told me over and over is, you know, there are no wrong choices. And I've gotten that from my guides, I've gotten it from being on ayahuasca. There are no wrong choices. It's sort of like the multiverse theory of like. Every little branch is going to lead you in the direction you needed to go. And we could talk about the pros and cons of looking at the world in terms of a multiverse there. But, you know, there are no mistakes. So, you know, you exercise your free will. And the way that sometimes my guides say is like, you know, everything that you think of as a choice is a permutation that has already has been planned out. So like, you know, you you're making choices but are they really choices if they've already been perfectly prepared for you? Like, you know, like then. So, uh, so but I'll push back on that for a second. Cause I'm, I'm yeah. going to be the devil's advocate here. Please do. So, so if every, if these choices have been made, which I understand from, from your point of view, what you're saying that the, there, there's a, there's a blueprint. We have, we have established ourselves like uh, that Paul's going to eventually go into law and he's a Spanish teacher and all this stuff. And you think I should teach Spanish. Maybe I should go into law. Like th- those things are there, but within that realm of those decisions that have been laid out, and from my interpretation, that is where free will comes into play. Like yeah. you are going to be a Spanish teacher. That's right. been laid out. And you're going to want to be a Spanish teacher. You're not going to be one an astronaut. Never once right. did you say, I want to be an astronaut. It wasn't part of your existence or wanting to do it. Exactly. But within the world that, let's say I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to learn law. In that space, you can choose how you're going to play in that world. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the kind of the guide rails, if you mm-hmm. will. Like you, you can play within this box, and that's where your free will comes in. By the way, though, if you do choose to like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to be an astronaut for some strain, which does happen from my understanding, that you yeah. completely skew off track, which happens often in life. Right. Something is going to slap you across the face (laughs) or smash you with a sledgehammer. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
And now back to the show. And stop you from going down the, the astronaut path and go, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> right. So you can imagine, yes, I, I agree with you 100%. And each of these choices, you know, will potentially lead you deviating from, you know, your soul's path and aligning with your soul's path. And so ultimately, part of the letting go is realizing that, you know, we know what it feels like when you've done it to take a step that feels really authentic. You're just like, I didn't, I just knew to do this, right? right. I just knew, I, I just didn't. And sometimes we will catch ourselves and be like, why am I doing it? Wait, but I have this impulse. And so maybe you get it two or three times because you're getting that intuitive hit that's like, no, this is a thing. Pick up the phone, call so-and-so, do X, you know, you, you exercise it. So the way I understand it is that, you know, you could, you could pick up the phone and do that thing and it feels really authentic. You're aligned with your soul. And then like, maybe something happens and you're like, wow, oh, I, I end up over here. And maybe you don't do it. And maybe you get the impulse a couple of times and some version of you could have like taken, you know, done it on the second try or another one ignores it altogether. And they end up far off the blueprint and there's something that's going to move them back. All those paths are perfectly valid paths. They're perfectly valid. You know, you know when you're feeling like aligned, but if you, you had an ego and in that sense, you had free will to sort of say, I'm not listening to that feeling. I'm not listening to that gut. I'm not listening to my intuition, however you want to frame it, you know? Yeah. You, um, you will miss out on something. And that happens to me all the time. I mean, I, I'm in constant dialogue with my guides and they're telling me do this and do that. And sometimes <laughs> I'll be irreverent or I'll be like, I'm tired. And you know, I just don't <laughs> want to do that right I now. I just don't want well, to. And they're, they're going to be like, Patrick, you will then learn like, you know, this well, is... well, it's kind of like, you know, you, you really want to sing, let's say for a perfect yeah. example. And that brings you all the joy in the world. And that's truly the path that you should be walking. But you're like, you know, I'm going to get that corporate job because that's more rational. And then you do that for five or 10 years or 20 years and you're miserable for angry yeah. and, and all these other things happen in your life because you're not following the path that you truly are supposed to be on because right. you have been told a story that you have to be rational. You have to be, you have to think about, you know, how you're going to make money. Singers don't make money. You can't yeah. make a living doing that. But it's, and that could have been the challenge that you had to overcome and you're failing the challenge and that's fine. It's part of your growth, your growth. Exactly. You know? And, and I, in that sense, but in that sense, the soul and the divine, you know, they're not judging you for this. No, you know, you're going to have another lifetime. You know, some people's lives are just, you know, and and you will, I think, have a life review where you're like, this was still perfect. All of these choices were perfect in terms of like growth and experience. But did you live your life feeling like I am living this life that's aligned with my soul, which is as, as close as I can get to language where you just, you know that you feel alive. I know that there are certain things in the world that if I do them, maybe I could do them sort of well, I'm not going to feel alive. Well, and 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 I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because this is this is a big fascination of mine on finding your goal in life, finding your not goal, but your purpose in life and your meaning and what you're supposed to be doing. That you are given uh this want and this need early in your life, like yeah. you did, Spanish teacher, law. Spirituality, nowhere in sight. Nowhere yeah. in sight. But you're giving this. This like this is what you want to do. So you're like, oh, I'm going to be a Spanish teacher, or I'm going to be a lawyer. And, and you had your spiritual side hustle while you're being a lawyer for those six or seven years. <laughs> your spiritual side hustle, which I like to call um, that. That so it was a little bit different. But generally speaking, you had other things driving you. And you know, for my path was to be a filmmaker, and I everything right. about my life was about being as successful as I could be in that industry. Right. And yet never reaching the heights that I wanted to reach. Mm. And I kept asking God, why did you give me this want if you're not going to give me the success that I want? And, and I've said this before, I'm like, I'm in the room with big movie stars and big yeah. giant producers. I'm like, so I'm good enough to be in the room. Why isn't it? Why is that one little door not 
being opened for me. And only after again, looking back very philosophically going, oh, all of that time, 20 plus years in the film industry has prepared me to do the work I'm doing right now. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's a very tough pill to swallow when you're in the 25 years and, and you can't see what is coming. And that's where this trust of control exactly comes into play. And it's so people listening right now, if you're feeling that you're like, I am not getting where I want to be in this place that I absolutely love. This might just be a stepping stone to what your true thing was, which is exactly for you and for me both. Yeah. And that, as you say, it applies even now, like now, you know, what isn't working, you know, what isn't happening, you know, anybody, you know, people embark after a spiritual awakening and they go on this path and then they're like, well, I'm not making money or I'm not successful. Or I, I can't keep it as a side hustle. And you're sort of the way you describe the singer. I mean, that happens. And they're like, well, why did you give me an awakening? You got to stay with it. Maybe your role isn't necessarily to teach in the way that you think you're supposed to teach. That's where you really, again, letting life mold you. That's is how I like to it. It's just let yourself be carried and guided and letting go of these preconceived notions. We, we, we just reoriented and repackaged ourselves as like, oh, my life as a spiritual writer slash intuitive reader should look like this. It doesn't. It does not. And it's not. I have to let go of that. And then, then I discovered, you know, I, for me, you said, you know, what is it about purpose? You said, you know, finding your purpose in life. And, and, and I love that existential kind of angst of, you know, like cry. I'm imagining you. I'm like, why did you give me this? Why? If you can't God, give me success, be very why? dramatic. There's some lighting involved. Yeah, like, exactly. why, Lord, have you forsaken me? <laughs> this is an Oscar worthy performance. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and having that. And, and I get that because I've asked myself the same questions. I was like, I was a fine lawyer. I loved writing briefs. Why give me these experiences then to set and say, time to leave the law if, you know, and, and here I am, I'm loving my life, but you know, I'm not a name that, you know, you put out there and everyone's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know who Patrick Paul Garlinger is. I'm not, and, I, and you know, there's, there's the part of me that's like, well, how come I don't know? You know, the, you know, you know what, what do you want from me? And, that's part of the the trust is it, and it may be that it ultimately looks like something very different i've learned in part of my purpose sure is to be really to recognize that the the difference between heaven and earth is doesn't exist that this is heaven wherever i'm at even if it doesn't feel that way you know, that that we I have these mystical experiences and da, 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 and it's like now I gotta scoop the kitty litter. <laughs> you know, like, to give a really mundane example. <laughs> like my life could be these contrasts of like, okay, I'm I'm doing that or I'm dealing with a neighbor or I'm, you know, whatever. I gotta go grocery shopping. It's all really beautiful. And so what does my work look like? You know working with individuals, da, da, da. I don't know, you know, I got to trust that whatever success is in my life, it's not necessarily the image that I think it's going to be. I can't, I couldn't agree with you more because even now, I, this could be a stepping stone for me for something else that I have no idea what's coming down the oh, pike. I've been meaning to tell you because I had this from the before we got on the show. And mm -hmm. like, I just kept telling you, like, I was like, wow, you have been super busy, right? Like you have been Non-stop. unbelievably busy. I don't generally do any sort of readings without permission. But by the way, you're going to be stopping soon and slowing down because yeah. something's coming up. for It is something is coming up for you yeah. that's going to seem like it's a little bit out of there, but you I don't think the podcast goes away, by the way. No. But I think it slows down dramatically because you've got another big project coming that's yeah, um, that's big. It's big. And you're <laughs> going to have to slow down this. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
And now back to the show. Uh, you know what? Uh, look, the, the pace that I do these shows, uh, I do four brand new episodes a week. Wow. Um, have been at that pace. Uh, we went from two to three to four, and now we're staying at four for a little while, and I've already started to slow down uh, because I've been told by not just you, by many of my guests uh, who are channels <laughs> and who are mediums and who are psychics, like, I got I got something for you. you you're going to have to start slowing down soon yeah, because uh, there's something else coming, and you're not going to have enough time to do everything, so you're going to have to pull back a little bit. But I've been told this for months now, and I've started to to slow down a little Good. bit and, and in the course of the next few months, we'll start to, you know, pull back. Cause it's in a, this is a, this, this, this pace is very difficult yeah. to, to, to maintain. Um, and not to mention my other shows that I do uh, as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm very well aware, but thank you for saying, for sharing that with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's so funny because it was so strong before the show that I was like, I got to tell him this. <laughs> he is really going to be slowing down. Like, you know, um, like I said, I don't I don't normally read anybody without their permission, but it's like so present in your field that it's like. Well, it's not. You, so, you, so when you're like at Whole Foods, you just, just walk up to ma'am. I'm sorry. I have to tell you something. So you. <laughs> <laughs> so I try not. I definitely don't do that. And I, as, as I've. As I've continued this work. I become, this goes back to free will. I don't feel much inclined to give people predictions anymore. Um, unless it's just like, so really, you know, in their field, like, and it just, it, it just comes through. It's like, this is happening. Um, I, I joke cause I have a friend who is, um, a medium and I was reading her and I said, wow, you're about to blow up. And those were the words like blow up, which is a phrase I would not use normally. And she's like, you're like the third person that said that in those terms. And I was like, yeah, I just hope you remember me when you're famous. They're like, you know, like you're going to take off. And I, but I don't do that because I think that, um, you know, there's something about having your space and your, your life be respected. And I'm mean, like, if you want a reading, then, you know, it's got to be something that's like inspired to, you know, you're coming to see me or go see somebody. So I, I don't, I don't read people otherwise. Uh, I could keep talking to you uh, for hours, Patrick, uh, without questions. So, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all my guests, mm -hmm. what is your definition of living a good life? Living a good life. Ah, oh, what a great question. Um, so I'm going to give you two answers because I can never uh, give just a single answer. And it goes back to our conversation. Every life is a good life. Every life is a good life. No matter what, like at the end of your life, when you're doing your life review, you're going to be like, that was a good life. But I know that that's not a satisfying answer to somebody sort of looking for guidelines or guy, you know, guardrails in a life that you're living. And, and so, you know, I think that living a good life is doing the best you can to feel like what who you are is in alignment with your soul, that you are being and feeling like this is who I am. And that's not always very clear because there's so much clearing up. But a good life is one where it feels like I am at least asking that question and I'm finding some way of listening and hearing and allowing that to come through. Um, while at the same time, honoring that all the choices that may not seem like they were the choices that were necessarily perfect or in alignment with my soul are actually really beautiful too. Good answers or good answers. Uh, what is your definition of God? Hmm. Everything, everywhere, all at once. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? Hmm.
So interestingly enough, part of me wants to say nothing at all. <laughs> nothing. Like my answer to you was the silent pause. Mm -hmm. That is the ultimate purpose of life. The ultimate purpose of life. What's interesting about that question, if you can let me wax philosophically for please, a moment, please, is you know why it, would there necessarily be an ultimate purpose to life, which would suggest that there are other less important purposes to life. Now, on a mundane, trivial level, you might say yes. If I could invoke a Zen, you know, uh, image, you know. The person that knows that they're sweeping the floor and that's all that they're doing, are they just sweeping the floor? Is sweeping the floor trivial? Or is knowing that the only thing that you're doing in that moment and nothing else is sweeping the floor the purpose of life? Being in that moment and having no resistance to it whatsoever. So. I hesitate to say that, that there is an ultimate purpose in life, even though in a way I just answered that there is, which is to sort of be with this very moment with absolutely no resistance judgment whatsoever. And then you realize that's God. You're experiencing God in, in, this, in this moment. Um, and that's why the answer might actually just be silence. My friend, fantastic answer to that question. Where can people uh, find out more about you and pick up your book, Endless Awakening? Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, I made it simple. The the um, www.endlessawakening.com will take you to my website. And you can find that book on Amazon. And so I thank you for sharing the book and spending the time with me today. And do you have any final words for our audience? No, I think I've said everything I wanted to say today. Patrick, thank you so much for your, for being on the show and for the work that you're doing to help awaken uh, all of us in this life. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much, Alex. Same to you. I want to thank Patrick so much for coming on the show and sharing his wisdom and story with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 221. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.